pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. Sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lebuff. Joining me in just a moment to break down this week's upcoming Premier League slate, the two FA Cup semifinals, uh, and then our weekly jaunt through Europe, Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, Liga, will be my friends and colleagues, noted Islander fans, noted New York Islander fans. Absolutely. Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. I've been I've been brainwashed. He's been brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I bring in these two brainwashed gentlemen, a reminder, Wonder Goal is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. You must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the U.S. Gambling problem? Please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Anthony and BJ, we'll start with the FA Cup semifinals. Um, they include uh, Manchester City versus Sheffield United at Brighton and Manchester United. So we have the potential for a Manchester Derby uh, to wrap this competition up. We'll start City and Sheffield United because I think this one has a lot less appeal as a betting match. Uh, City's minus 700. The Blades... Uh, they're fourteen to one, uh, and the draw is plus seven fifty. Anthony, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, you know, um, Sheffield United has been the second best defense uh, in the championship by most XG models. Uh, they have an above average defense that, even if you projected them into the Premier League, uh, they would be better than four of the defenses that are currently in the league. So that is an encouraging sign for their ability to at least slow down Manchester City. 
I know it's very hard to do. We just saw what, you know, City torched Leicester in about 20 minutes and then took their foot off the gas. But you do wonder about the spot potentially for City with Arsenal looming uh, in the league on Wednesday. And I do expect Holland to start. Like, I don't think they're going to rotate necessarily, but could see him get, you know, taken off after 65, 70 minutes. Same with De Bruyne. Uh, we saw City employ that strategy against Leicester on Saturday, and I thought it was interesting from Guardiola. It's different from what Klopp was doing last year. I thought the biggest mistake was that Klopp didn't really rotate enough down the stretch run, and it hurt them. Now, granted, they weren't in as good of a position in the in the Prem, but I think that uh, you you could see a City uh, struggle here. I'm look, I'm tired of pricing this City attack to regress and saying that they're overvalued, but they are again. Uh, Holland seems to have broken the XG regression that I use, but uh, it's still true. And the defense remains underrated, I think. I think it's going to be very hard for Sheffield to create much of anything in this match. Their attack is pretty mediocre by championship standards. They've gotten through with their defense. Uh, and so I think that this is going to be a, a low-scoring affair that City wins 2 or 3 nothing. So I looked at under 3.5, minus 105 with BJ. Yeah, it's so it's really unfair for Sheffield because two of their best midfielders – James McAtee and Tommy Doyle, they're on City's books, so they can't play because they can't face their parent club. So that really hampers Sheffield United's midfield. But, you know, this is the, you know, obviously Sheffield United was in the Premier League two years ago. They're under one of their assistant coaches during that time frame. He's now become the manager, so they're still playing their 3-5-2 structure, and they can be very well set up out of possession. And even though they're in second place in the championship, they are one of the more direct teams uh in the second division and i mean listen city i know city they just beat burnley six nothing has been the best team in the championship and a team i'm really looking forward to fading once they get to the premier league but burnley is a team that is not like it was under sean Dyche. they are much more possession-based type team and they haven't really had to face a ton of teams that hold possession the way that city does so they were not able to play under that type of structure now Sheffield United has the type of structure to sit deep and counterattack. It's what they've done all season, the championship. And for, to your point, Anthony, uh, so projecting teams coming up from the championship to the Premier League see about an 83% decrease in their expected goal differential. So Sheffield United is at plus 0.55 right now. So I would project them around a Everton or a Nottingham Forest right now in the premier league essentially is the, the comparison that I would go to. So I agree with Anthony. I think that Sheffield United set up the way they set up tactically uh, is going to be able to play five at the back, close off the middle of the pitch and defend for their lives. Um, but yeah, I don't really see them doing much going forward, especially because McAtee and Doyle are so good at making late runs into the box. If you've watched any other FA cup matches, those are the guys that have been scoring a majority of the goals. So um, yeah, I agree with Anthony under three and a half at minus one Oh five. And let's just hope that he doesn't win for nothing. Uh, Brighton and Manchester United. Then this one's uh, on Sunday morning. The City Sheffield game is eleven forty a.m. This one, eleven thirty. These games are taking place at Wembley. Uh, Brighton's plus one forty. They're the favorite on the neutral field. Deservingly, yeah. It's but it's interesting note. And it is. Uh, I think you know. There's been a lot of crazy things that have happened over the course of a season, which is funny because you know we're in the business of of trying our best to give out predictions and project things and uh if we did our season preview in august and i came on here and said 
Roy Hodgson will be back coaching uh, Crystal Palace. Frank Lampard will be back in the dugout of Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brighton would be a, a neutral field favorite over Manchester United in the FA Cup semifinal. But Graham Potter wouldn't be managing them. Uh, which, which of those would be the craziest thing? I don't really know. Uh, It'd all think, be crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bright, that's where we are. That's the world we live in. Brighton plus yeah. 140. Uh, and, and you two think that it's seagulls or nothing, BJ. Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing is we don't really know the status of Marcus Rashford right now. We're recording this on uh, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the update is that he might return for their match against Sevilla on, on Thursday. So we don't know, but I mean, United has not been good against the top half of the table away from old Trafford this season. If you take into account like the league cup final uh, against Newcastle on a neutral field and all their matches away from home, they have a minus 8.2 expected goal differential away from Old Trafford against the top half of the table, which is not good. Now, Brighton sets up very, very aggressively here. And, you know, United's not the best team pressing uh, from the front line. They're likely probably going to sit a little deeper because obviously Brighton wants you to they, they try to bait you into pressing so they can play right through the middle of the pitch. But I have major question marks about United's ability to defend in wide spaces with Mitoma and March. I think they're going to be able to have field days against Juan Bissaka or Diego Dallo or Luke Shaw, whoever, whatever combination that United decides to put out there. And Lissandra Marcinas is still hurt. Verane is still out, so that leaves United with Harry Maguire at the back again. And listen, I understand United created three and a half expected goals against Nottingham Forest, but it's just a completely different opponent. Brighton's going to be the one controlling the majority of the possession. They're going to, they're United's going to be the one defending in their own half for a majority of the match. And something I know Anthony, uh, you know, has tweeted about and we've talked about as well is that Brighton is plus four fifty to win the FA Cup. And United is sitting above them uh, in terms of the futures odds, but Brighton is a favorite to go through here. So that's just a complete misprice because what the books are telling you is that United has a better chance to beat City than Brighton does to beat City, which is just absolutely not the case. So I like Brighton here at plus 140. I project them at plus 125 on a neutral field. uh, And I also like Brighton at plus 450 to win the FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, Luke Shaw might be out as well. Uh, He's questionable. The injury list is significant for Man United. That's why I'm a little worried about them going to Sevilla on Thursday. Uh, and I think the biggest problem could be that Brighton is going to press and they're going to really do a, a job on on the, the center backs here. And we're used to, you know, when you have Martinez and Varane who are pretty good ball carriers and possessors and even Maguire's pretty good on the ball, uh, that's a big difference compared to Victor Lindelof, who is going to expect it to start in this match on Sunday. And I think that's going to be the biggest weak link for Man United. That and the potential absence of Shaw leaves them in a position where they are going to have trouble with Matoma. They're also like Juan Basak is a very good individual defender, but then he's not adding as much in terms of going forward. So I think the biggest question mark is this United back line, not as even as much the attack. Uh, Rashford being in or out is is obviously important to this team. You even saw it in the match against Nottingham Forest. They ended up creating a ton of chances and overwhelming them in the midfield. But in terms of getting into the penalty area, they were not very good at creating big scoring chances in that match. Uh, you know, it, it was a lot of. Uh, Martial not being as good at Veghorst at linking up the play, and then Rashford not being there to get the shots, and they ended up being a lot of Anthony shooting from distance. They ended up getting the goal and uh, off of a of a save deflection to Anthony getting in the box, but he wasn't in the penalty area much in that match. So that is a little concerning. Uh, and so uh, I like Brighton here. We talked about this last week. I mean, I bet them at a pick them. I still like them. They're small favorite now. Uh, I'd, I'd play Brighton, draw no bet up to minus 120. Rear league now. I will start on Sunday morning. 
a headliner between uh, Newcastle and Spurs, a top four six-pointer, if you will. Newcastle's odds on minus 120, hosting Tottenham uh, plus 320. The draw is plus 275. I think from a game theory standpoint, Anthony, it, Spurs kind of have to look at this like a, a cup tie where they are down and from the first leg if they want to catch Newcastle for top four. Whether they do that or not, who knows, but it would behoove them to be more aggressive just from what they need out of this game, which is they need to win it uh, if they want to keep their top four hopes alive as slim as they might be based on uh, being three points and a, a full game or and having played one more game than, than Newcastle. Plus, they uh, aren't very all that good. It's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> I do think that if, if I had to make a bet here, it would be on Spurs rather than laying it with Newcastle. But BJ, uh, what are we going to do with this Tottenham team? I don't know. I don't know, Michael. That was not a great performance against Bournemouth, a very directional, transitional type team, which is what Newcastle is much better at than being a possession-based type team. And the I mean, the previous meeting is a, a good indicator here, right? Because Newcastle is so, so good with their high pressing and Tottenham consistently were trying to play out of the back and Newcastle was causing all sorts of problems. It's how Almirón scored the one goal. I know in the end, Tottenham ending, ended up creating more expected goals than them, but... I mean, I have Newcastle projected at minus 118. When I saw the draw, I was kind of getting kind of excited because Newcastle consistently against, you know, Chelsea and United and all the other big six clubs outside of obviously Arsenal and, and City have essentially been, you know, pick them or, or plus 140 against these type of teams. But now we're sitting at, you know, minus 115, minus 120 at some shops. So I can't bet Newcastle at that number. Um, but you know, I'll get into, you know, Newcastle and in a little bit more when we talk about what happened with Aston Villa on Saturday. But if Newcastle, you know, if Tottenham obviously scores first and is able to sit deep, you know, Newcastle is just not the type of team to, that's going to uh, break down a low block, especially one as good as Tottenham. So I'm passing. Um, the number's not there for me on Newcastle. So, um, but it's, I, I have a hard time seeing how Tottenham is successful offensively in this match if they're not playing super, super direct and transitional, which is how Newcastle wants them to play. Anthony, any any love for your Spurs in this spot? This is actually similar to what I was just saying about Brighton and Man United is that Tottenham's defensive back injuries are making me a little concerned here. Uh, Clement Longley went off against Bournemouth. Spurs were doing a, a perfectly fine job defensively in the first half hour of the match. As soon as he went off, uh, you know, Sanchez comes in. They have a bad giveaway in the midfield. Sanchez, uh, a little late to recover. His mistake leads to the second goal. His confidence is shot. Uh, he's getting booed off the pitch at, at Tottenham, and he's clearly not in the right frame of mind, and he may have to start here. And you just talked about it, BJ. I mean, the, the ability for Newcastle to press, to cause problems, to create high turnovers. Well, Tottenham's had more giveaways on their own half leading to opponent goals than any team in the Prem. So I think from a matchup perspective, it's really bad for Spurs. Newcastle's defense is still, I think, overvalued, but I, it would be Newcastle or nothing here, and I'd be very tempted given my my numbers to, to get there. I'm at minus, minus 125. Uh, I'm going to wait and see how the market closes here, but if we get like Newcastle minus 110, I'm probably going to fire. Okay, uh, now let's get back to Friday. Uh, going from Anthony's team to BJ's team. Arsenal in a must-win spot in their title race with Man City uh, coming away from West Ham. With a draw after going up 2-0 uh, was not ideal, I would say. No, but it but, wasn't. Uh, 
everyone seems so excited by the first goal by by Arsenal that it it kind of drowned out the fact that they they didn't win that match. Mm-hmm. Um, they're four points ahead of City. City, of course, is not playing a Premier League match this weekend. They will play Arsenal on Wednesday uh, after they play the FA Cup semifinal this weekend. I actually think I'll be betting Southampton on the money line here. In fact, I know I will at sixteen to one with Arsenal in a in a tricky spot coming off good of, coming off of a couple. Like, you just need to manage a game when you go up two nothing and you're in a title race. I think when you listen to more mainstream soccer podcasts that aren't looking at projections and trying to find angles to bet and whatever, you'll hear the narrative of the can this inexperienced young team that's never been in this position before uh, handle the moment. And I do think some of that stuff will matter uh, and does come into play here. And and Southampton, they're going to need to win. Uh, they are four points uh, or five points, I guess, from, from safety. When you throw in goal differential, seven matches to go They're They're down They're They're, they would need a, a miracle or close to it to, to find their way back to the premier league next season. Uh, and, and what better spot to do it than at Arsenal in when the Gunners are trying to chase down a, a Premier League title. Uh, I think the spot's tough. James Ward-Prowse is always obviously dangerous from dead ball spots. So I'll take a a 2-0 Arsenal lead, then maybe I'll live bet Southampton uh, when they when Arsenal finally gets that, that second goal and, and watch Saints win 3-2. But mm-hmm. I'll be on Southampton here. Uh, Anthony. Before we get to BJ. Yeah, I'm going to take some Southampton small plus two before the game. And then I'm going to look to add more plus two and a half live if Saints get down early. Because I think Arsenal is settling back into their old ways a little bit. And I tweeted this on Sunday. Remember last year's trend was they were the best team in the league for the first 15 to 20 minutes of the match. They were coming out blitzing everybody. They would get the lead and then everything would just kind of stop. It was very strange. Uh, You know, part of me said that like, okay, if they... Like the fact they can play this well when they to get the lead is a is a positive indicator long term, uh, but they're they're kind of settling back into that, and the defense is just not good enough to do that. And we've seen this now over and over and over again down the stretch uh, that this defense is overvalued, and I think Saints are are an undervalued attack generally because their poor finishing all season long has made them uh, a team that has underperformed xG, uh, and you combine that with their poor goalkeeping, shot stopping, and that's why they've been you know, one of the biggest underachievers in the league relative to actual numbers. Some uh, numbers here, I only make this about 1.6. So I get a a flat two. I'm going to take Southampton. I think you're paying the tax again on Arsenal. And I won't always take the the spot against the overrated must win. I won't always do it. But this is one with City looming on Wednesday that I will happily do it uh, on Friday night football. Uh, and take the Saints, but I'm going to make this probably probably put a half unit down before the game and then look to add more live if Arsenal goes up a goal because I just think we've seen this Arsenal team get very complacent, even defensively, when they have played well. The Leeds match, the Palace match, had both teams to score in both, and Arsenal played really well and then just kind of fell asleep defensively, conceded a couple big chances, almost let the other team back into the game a little bit. Uh, I think that's a very live possibility here, uh, especially with, you know, you mentioned Ward Prowse. If, if, if Southampton gets one here, I feel very good about my plus two, and I do think they'll score. So I'm going to look to the plus two and uh, look to add more live as well. Yeah, it should be a nervy atmosphere too on Friday, uh, especially if like you know we get through the first 20, 30 minutes and it's still nil-nil or 
God forbid, BJ, maybe Southampton scores first. Um, but Anthony, you, you touched on their defensive issues. When you look, it, they're two different teams from pre and post World Cup defensively. Uh, it's not like they've been bottom of the barrel statistically, but they're not a top. Yeah, two. I mean they're, they're they're like fifth in defense yeah, since the World yeah. Cup. XG allowed, and uh, Saliba is going to remain out here. I mean, he may be back for the City match, which uh, will be notable. Uh, Arteta said that he's progressing well. He's starting to train, but he's he's already ruled him out for Sunday, so uh, Friday. So uh, it, it is interesting and a tricky situation for them uh, without Saliba. It's just a, a significant downgrade to Rob Holding, who's fine, but not at the level that Saliba was. Uh, should we move on to Fulham and Leeds or BJUN? No, stop. Let me get my thoughts in here. Um, yeah, no, if I was a neutral, yeah, I believe that Southampton does have some value. But here's the problems with Arsenal right now. And it's Saliba obviously being out, not only his defensive work, but he's an incredible ball carrier and passer out of the back as well that Rob Holding is just not. So Arsenal can't build out from the back the way they they typically do. And another big loss has been Zinchenko. With him being out on, on Sunday, you know, they held him out. He's questionable to play in this match. Without also Tommy Tomiyasu being out, Arsenal doesn't have a left back that they can invert into the midfield to create their box midfield and essentially control the middle of the of the of the park and honestly control matches from there as well. Because Tierney is just not that. Even if you look through his passing, expected threat numbers comparatively to Zinchenko, it was about it's about 40 to, to 50% less of what Zinchenko was doing in the middle of the field. So if he plays, Arsenal is going to have much, much more control in the middle of the pitch. So I do like their chances there. And I mean, listen, it was two matches where they blew a two goal lead. Okay. And now we're overreacting and saying that, Oh, they don't have the, the, the cojones or they don't have, they're too young. This is just pundit stuff, Michael. Okay. This is something you'd hear from Gary Neville on sky sports right now, how Arsenal doesn't yep. have it. Okay. They have a plus, 1.1 expected goal differential per 90 when playing with the lead this season. They are just fine. All the Arsenal fans out there, stop freaking out. We're fine, okay? Everything is fine. Everything is still in our hands. It all comes down to the city match. And guess what? Also, Michael, if you look at the schedule, Brentford's here to save us on the final day because City's got to go to Brentford. So we're okay. What, six points clear? City, City's still got to go to Brighton as well. Everything is fine for Arsenal. It's not the time to panic just because we blew a couple leads in back-to-back matches. You sound very convincing. Uh, Fulham. Let's do Fulham now. Fulham and Leeds. Fulham uh, pasting Everton 3-1 at Goodison Park uh, this past weekend without Mitrovic. He'll be back uh, for this one. Plus 130, the Cottagers at home hosting Leeds. Plus 225, the draw. Plus 225. I think, Anthony... uh, I'll be, I'll be with you here on on Leeds. Uh, in terms of, you know, teams have been trying to fade and, and getting it wrong basically a hundred percent of the time. Fulham is up there, so it's probably not a good thing for you uh, that I'll be in the pool with you on on the Peacocks. But I just don't trust this Fulham defense to be able to keep them out. Yeah, I mean, look, Leeds gave up what six or uh, seven I, I turned it off so i actually don't know how many leads ended up scoring that match and i don't, I don't want to hear about how many it ended up being but uh, all of the shots on goal went in for liverpool and uh, look i know that this team has had its defensive issues for sure but that is now uh, 11 goals scored on their last 13 shots on goal against this leeds team like it's just not going to continue at this rate and they've been i don't want to say unlucky because i think melier has been kind of a shot 
a below average shot stopper, but like this, this level of finishing against you creates a market perception that their defense is worse than it actually is. And I know it's not a good defense and the, the personnel has been bad and they brought in Wober to fix it, but now he's hurt. So like you, you get the point as to why leads are a poor defensive team, but you saw in the first half, uh, it looks like Wilbur is going to be back as well. You saw in the first half that like leads are playing differently under Garcia and BJ's talked about this for the first 40 minutes of that match. I thought they were excellent defensively against Liverpool. They prevented, uh, you know, space in behind Liverpool got the one chance they score, they go up one nil, uh, things kind of broke down from there, but it was a, it was a perfectly fine defensive performance in the early stages. And and now they get a Fulham attack. And yes, uh, I know that they scored three and that they put up 21 shots on Everton uh, on the road. And so now they come home, but I, I just can't get to them being this much of a favorite anymore. I thought the opener with, with it being right around a pick them was fine. And they've taken a ton of money in the last couple of days. And so I'm just going to come back on leads here uh, plus a quarter can get them uh, if you want to lay a little bit of juice or you can take them draw no bet at you know plus 120 25 out there i like both of those either is fine uh it's just a steadfast thing that i've been all season that leads is better than their numbers uh it, it's borne out by the, some of their process stats fulham is the exact opposite so naturally when they play each other i'm going to have leads the first meeting i thought was also interesting i mean leads gave up two goals on set pieces they lose the match but they were the better team most of the, the the match there, they controlled the flow uh, and uh, just kind of collapsed late in the second half. But like I said, they were the better team the majority of the match. Uh, BJ, you're thinking this thing could go off the rails a bit? Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised to see the total sitting this low, even from a, just a neutral perspective or even just like from a baseline perspective of how many goals these teams have been giving up and scoring in the last few matches to be two basically over two and a half sitting around minus 110 even even money getting closer to that at some shops uh i mean anthony i think anthony hit the nail on the head is that Leeds is playing differently they uh, do have a better defensive structure but once that first goal goes in just everything just goes off the rails so under garcia under garcia his eight matches in charge they have conceded 16.4 expected goals they now have allowed the second most expected goals in the premier league behind only everton at 52 um and the other big thing here is that you know the leads attack they have gone through some injuries throughout the season you know sinistera is finally healthy he's even in the last three matches he's gotten four shots apiece in every single one of those matches and they are due for you know a little bit of positive regression you know rodrigo's now starting up top which you know, he's been better this season than Bamford. So that gives Leeds a plus in attack as well. And I mean, Fulham's defense is still terrible. Like, it's not like they've just, you know, just because they allowed one goal against Everton, they still conceded 1.4 expected goals. They would have conceded more to West Ham if West Ham didn't score early and start to play a little bit more passively. So, and the other big thing is, as Anthony mentioned in the previous meeting, is Leeds overall for the season have been good at defending crosses, but like they did a horrible job in that previous meeting at defending those crosses. So, um, I think this one could get off the rails. You know, I project over three goals for this match. So over two and a half, uh, you know, minus 105 is really good value for me. Uh, it's taken over here for the 7.30 a.m. kickoff. Yeah, I see- thought this was going to be three and I bet the under, but it- I, I know I, I was very surprised. Was two and a half. I was like, okay, I guess I'm not betting the under. So I am in between the two numbers. I would actually bet the over at two and a half before uh, anything else too. So closer to 2.65. So. And then one more thing is like, 
both of these teams, the way they're set up, right, is like once the first goal goes in, they have to become very, very vulnerable and trans. They have to play the match very, very transitionally. So whoever scores first here, as long as we get a goal within the first, you know, 20, 30 minutes, I believe that this match is going to completely go off the rails. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. If you if you've listened to this show for I don't know more than five episodes, you probably know exactly how we're all going to end up for this next one. It's almost to the point where we might not even need to to preview it. Uh, Brentford plus one fifty at home hosting Villa plus one eighty seven the draw plus two twenty five. Aston Villa. Jesus, what is going on here? Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of debate in the internet streets right now about if Aston Villa is good or not. It's uh it's very interesting. There's a very hot debate, and honestly, I don't know which way I go on it. Like, well, I, I mean, I think if it, it, at some point, like you, you, we look at numbers and underlying stats and expected goals and everything, and help to formulate a, an opinion. And uh, but at some point, real life happens, and if they're winning these games uh, and doing so convincingly against you know some decent teams uh they haven't lost since february 18th to arsenal i know the run-in hasn't been crazy considering like chelsea where chelsea's at and they caught crystal palace before they transformed into the best team in the world uh but you know they were really good against newcastle last week so maybe they are good but i still think brentford's better uh and that's where i'm gonna end up and brentford coming off of Kind of an exact opposite run. They, they haven't won since March 15th at Southampton. Uh, three draws and two losses along the way, including some, you know, a, a tough draw against Leicester and a lucky draw against Brighton and then uh, a loss to, to Wolves that was sure unlucky, but still. Anyways, that's the time you want to buy in on Brentford, especially when they're at home. So I'll take the Bs on the money line, uh, plus 150. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, let's look at Aston Villa a little bit here. Since January 26th, they've played 10 matches uh, at even strength, 940 minutes. 
They have an expected goals for of 1.37, expected goals against of 1.53. That 1.53 number puts them sixth, eighth worst in the Prem in that time frame. Yet they've only conceded 1.05 goals per 90, which is third best. So you're looking at a defense that's continuing to concede a ton of chances. We've talked about this on the show now with the defensive possession and the turnovers high because they don't have good ball players. They don't have very good ball winners in defensive midfield either. And so they're very vulnerable to transition attacks. Uh, and they haven't improved there, really, under Emery. They haven't conceded goals, but they haven't really improved. If you look at the underlying numbers, and Martinez has been really good. I know we we all think he's kind of overrated off of that World Cup run, but like he's been excellent. And Ollie Watkins is on the finishing streak of his life. So, look, has Emery made them better? Maybe a little. But this team has a negative expected goal difference in the last 10 matches, and they've somehow managed to only lose one of them. That's just really, really good fortune. And somehow I've gone from the high man on Villa coming into the season to now the low man. But like, Mm, why is that? Yeah, I think it's because your man, Steven Gerrard, is not managing them anymore. Well, maybe. I mean, that's certainly possible. But also, anytime a team wins eight or seven out of eight, I'm going to be inherently skeptical. Yeah, but it's Emery. Emery's a magician. He's a dark artist guy. He is one of our guys, too. I know. That's what's annoying about it. But this is still the same team that conceded two and a half XG to Leicester. Three plus to City and Arsenal, uh, 1.6 in a win against Everton that was ultimately pretty fortunate. Over two at West Ham. Like, this has not been... And and look, we talked about Chelsea. Uh, they didn't score in the match either, but Chelsea had their best attacking performance of, like, the season in that game. So I just don't really think this defense is that good. I think they're going to get exposed at Brentford. Uh, the regression looms for them. I would love to see them, you know, win every match for the rest of the season and get in the top, uh, finish ahead of Newcastle. But uh, I just I really don't think it's going to happen. So I like Brentford as well at home, but pick them. I mean, this implies that they're better than Brentford. Are they better than Brentford? No, no I think no, they're yeah. not at all. I have them one spot ahead. Right. I mean, here's the thing. And Anthony, the nail on the head where it's, you know, under Emory, they've obviously been overperforming, but even in that Newcastle match, they, they obviously scored early there. So what Emory was, Emory was able to do is he was able to set his team up very defensively. They were able to sit in their two deep, uh, low blocks of four, condense the space in the middle of the pitch. And Newcastle is just, a team that's much, much better in transition rather than handing them the ball and asking them to break you down. So now we get into a situation where they're going to face a Brentford team that's going to give them the ball. They're going to say, hey, Aston Villa, come break us down. And if you look through Aston Villa, you know, their last few performances against Leicester, against Nottingham Forest, where they controlled a lot of possession, controlled the match, they did a great job. But those are two of the worst teams in the Premier League. Even Bournemouth, uh, you know, five matches ago, created 1.3 expected goals. They're one of the better transition teams in the Premier League. And Brentford is just so, so much better than that. So now Aston Villa is going to be in a situation, like Anthony said, they're going to have to defend and transition a lot during this match. And I'm not so sure if they are really cut out to do that right now. And the match that kind of comes to, to mind, it was a while ago. And even if you look at the XG, it didn't really bear it out was when Aston Villa went to Southampton and they won the match one, nothing. And they controlled a lot of possession. They controlled the match. They tilted the field on Southampton and everything, but Southampton was incredibly dangerous in transition opportunities and even had a goal fart off. So you only see, well, Southampton score, they created only 0.6 expected goals. So yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's a bad performance, but they still are very, very vulnerable in transition defense. And, you know, this is just a perfect, you know, if you've been betting a long time or even recently, you always want to get teams at the, at the, bet against teams at the peak of their market value and buy teams at their lowest uh, part of their market value. Like I have Brentford projected at plus 106 here. So 
I think they're a better team than Southampton. They've obviously, excuse me, Southampton and Aston Villa. They've obviously played much better at home than they have on the road this season. So uh, give me the bees as well. Draw no bet. Uh, on to, I think it's fair to call them title favorites at this point under Roy Hodgson. Yeah. Uh, Crystal Palace. Why? Wait, I just got announced today. Addy Hooter is going to be the manager of your old boy at Gladbach. Anthony, Addy Hooter. He's going to be the manager of Crystal Palace now going forward. Why didn't they extend Hodgson? Like, he, I think he earned a contract through what, 2032, I think? That would, would be, I mean, I, I don't know how. I don't know. How, like, you just, you just stick with him. He's, uh, yeah. He's obviously just coming into his own. Just finding uh, his, just finding his form as a man. Yeah. Let him, let him get his le- sea legs under him. Uh, Palace even money favorite at home. Everton three to one on the road. The draw is plus two twenty five. The big news here is it does look like Dominic Calvert Lewin should be back. Thankfully for for Everton. Uh, can you guys name? I think one's pretty easy to get. Everton's top goal scorers. Uh, they have four. Mari Gray. Yes, he's the easy one. I thought. Neil Mopai. Nope. Tarkovsky. I was thinking Dwight McNeil. Yeah, it's McNeil who's who's red hot. Um. That is uh, the lowest amount of goals for a leading goal scorer of any team in uh, the Premier League, just behind West Ham, who have two players at five apiece. So I guess the the question becomes, will will Dominic Calvert-Lewin end up being the leading goal scorer? I think he's got one on the year. Um, we'll see if he stays healthy enough, but he does make a big difference, and I think that he's someone that Sean Deitch, you know, is perfect for his style, trying to swing crosses into... Uh, Neil Mopai is a very different puzzle to solve than uh, someone like Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So as long as he's healthy, he should help. Uh, but they're going up against a red-hot Crystal Palace team. Is now the time to sell on Roy Hodgson's Harlem Globetrotters at, at mm-hmm. Selhurst Park. I would I would lean towards it. Uh, but PJ, you're looking at the total instead. I am. And Michael, if you know, if this was maybe the beginning of the season where you know, Sean Dyche wasn't hired by a team and we thought Roy Hodgson was still on the beach somewhere, and you told me that I'm going to bet an over between a Sean Dyche coach team and a Roy Hodgson coach team, I would have thought that you are crazy. But this is where we are at because Roy Hodgson, and this is something I spoke of on the last podcast, is, and I'm kicking myself for not seeing this before, but like, when he managed Watford last season and they were in the relegation zone and they needed to get out of it and they he made those matches incredibly, incredibly aggressive. It wasn't the Roy Hodgson with Crystal Palace, 4-4-2, low block. Let's just try to you know win on counterattacks and set pieces and everything like that. Now he has opened everything up for Crystal Palace. They obviously have got a lot, a lot more life. And Anthony will tell you the greatest thing he did as a manager was coming at the easiest part of the schedule when Crystal Palace is now on this really nice run in to end the season and has a decent chance still at a, at a top 10 finish. Um, and we've spoke about it a ton with Sean Dyche as well, is that he's not what he was at Burnley. He's not 4-4-2 low block. He's come out, he's pressed, he wants to disrupt build-up play going forward. And that's created a lot of high event matches. We've already said, you know, Everton matches are averaging around 3.2 expected goals since he took over. So... I have no reason to believe why this isn't a end-to-end style match uh, like we've seen with both Everton and Crystal Palace as of re- recently. I think this what this line is implying 
is that this is going to be a 4-4-2 against 4-4-2 slog, and it's just going to be like whoever can, whoever scores off a corner of set piece. It's just not the case with the style of play of these two teams right now. So I like over two. Uh, you can find it at, you know, a little below minus 130 right now. I probably wouldn't play anything over minus 130. I do project 2.5 goals right on. So if you want to play over two and a half at anything plus 115 or better, uh, that's also good as a price target for me. So, but I'm on an over in a game involving Roy Hodgson and Sean Deitch. Sounds like a great way to spend. Yeah, it would be over nothing for me as well, but, uh, I have nothing here. Sounds, sounds fun. Uh, I'll be, you know. Just white knuckle. And Everton are fine, Everton. by the way, Michael. They're fine. Yeah. What was funny? Also, Everton was funny and relegation battle is every single team except for Bournemouth lost this past weekend. So we're just right at where we were. So outrageous. Um, one of those teams was Leicester City. Uh, they're plus one fifty hosting Wolverhampton plus one ninety. The draws plus two thirty. I think Wolves, Fulham, and Aston Villa are in their own little Premier League right now, where uh, just everything is kind of weird Chelsea um, Chelsea's in them I don't yeah. think Wolves are totally safe yet I mean like no they're, they're not totally safe but they're in a weird they're just every game they have is very weird and and just when I think I'm getting the you know six game losing streak that seems to be coming it doesn't uh but I do think you're right I think that they're still a little sneaky if you're looking for a relegation long shot they they have a tough schedule and they still play the teams behind a bunch of teams behind them so just want to keep in mind um including Leicester. Uh, I got nothing here, though, because I don't want to bet Leicester. I just don't want to bet him, especially don't want to bet him as a slight favorite. So uh, I'll be passing and uh, ruining my decision when, when Leicester wins here, BJ. I have a question for the two of you. Well, I have two questions. First off, did you guys know Dean Smith was the manager of Leicester now? That went completely yeah. under my radar. I, I turned on oh, the yeah. match on I turned on the match on Saturday and I saw him on the touchline. And I I had like had a panic moment of like, oh my gosh, what is happening? I could totally miss that. Um so that's that's the you know, off the top. I said if I predicted those weird things happening, if yeah. I predicted Dean Smith to be the manager of Leicester, I don't think anyone would I thought be like, Yeah, that no, no, makes a ton of sense. Yeah, probably. Why not? Yeah. So uh that's interesting. Um but uh, here, here's my second question for you. And Anthony knows the answer to this question because I already asked it to him, Michael. How many goals do you think the striking quadruplet of Hee-Chan Huang, Rao Jimenez, Matthias Cunha, and Diego Costa have scored for Wolves this season? How many goals total? Three. <laughs> Menez hasn't scored. Costa scored one. Cunha scored one. And He Chan Huang has scored one. And that just tells you everything you need to know about the Wolves' attack is that we've been talking. I mean, I feel like I come on here and just say it every single week. I'm just like, it's just shots from outside the box. It's low quality chances. Like it just happens like over and over and over again. And yes, I understand that they beat Brentford on Saturday at home, but I mean they created 0.8 expected goals. And one of the one of the goals that Diego Costa scored was a complete deflection where the Brentford guy was trying to clear it. Um and the market is just completely down on this Leicester team right now. To essentially be a just straight pick'em against Wolves at home, it just tells you everything you need to know about it. And these are two also very possession-based teams from the back of like none of these teams, both these teams really don't want to play transitionally. They want to build out from the back. They, you know, Leicester is very, very good at playing through pressure, although Wolves is not the best pressing team in the world. So uh, for me, it'd be Leicester or nothing. I do project Leicester as a, as a small favorite here uh, around around plus 120, plus 125. So I guess there is some value here 
Leicester's can be without Harvey Barnes for this match, which is, you know, hurts them a little bit. They obviously have um, some other attackers beside it, but you know, and Anthony's also mentioned this as well. Uh, I'd like to see who maybe they're starting up top before I decide if I want to bet Leicester or not. Cause if they're going to start Jamie Vardy, uh, there's no way in hell that I'm going to bet this Leicester team. But if they start Ian Acho or Pats and Daka, they're much, much more threatening uh, against this Wolves team. But I do pro- project a little bit of value on, on Leicester. But other than that, I'm passing. Yeah. Uh, under two and a half best price I see is minus minus one thirty two. Uh, That would be a play for me. Anything below one thirty five. Uh, from a matchup perspective, this is two teams who take the four, uh, combined for the fourth. Uh, bot- they're both in the bottom four in lowest shot quality average in the league. Uh, and Leicester's defense concedes a ton of shot volume, but they've actually done a much better job this year of lowering their big chances allowed uh, to the point where they're actually bottom uh, six in big scoring chance uh, in average shot distance allowed. So I'm going to roll with uh, the under here but again it's price sensitive you got to get minus 135 or better there's some minus 140 50 out there it's a little too juicy at that point hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, two more to go before we move on to the rest of Europe. Liverpool minus 600 at home to Forest, 16 to 1. The draw plus 650. This is uh, an interesting spot, I think, Forrest has been in, in woeful form. Uh, Liverpool is continuing their kind of circus season. Got the <laughs> a 6-1 win over Leeds after going winless in their last four. And they seem to just, you know, they'll pump a team by five or six. Then they just rest on their laurels for a few weeks and they pump another team by five or six and repeat that process. Uh, it is hard to to stomach a bet on, on Forrest here, especially on the road. They'll be fighting for their lives, kind of in the same spot as Southampton, where they they're, yeah, they're they're playing Liverpool and stuff. But it's it feels like a must win game for them. And they did, uh, I know it was at home, and they looked all right against Liverpool in that first match. They won on XG, one one nil, a repeat performance, getting the double on the Reds, probably too tall in order, but it's still a tempting price at sixteen to one against going against Liverpool. I don't, it's almost to the point where when numbers get this high against them you should just bet it because they're still not trustworthy. And I think that kind of plays into what you're getting at BJ here with uh, with your bet. Yeah, and I think it's important to note here for Nottingham Forest that Taiwa Awanawi is back for them, which is just absolutely massive to them, not only for just him as, as a, how good he's been as a striker around a 0.5 XG per minute, but 
It also helps Morgan Gibbs-White and Brennan Johnson, who Brennan Johnson's been having to play out of position as a striker a lot this season for Nottingham Forest, which really has hampered their attack, and that's kind of why they've struggled a little bit. So the interesting thing for Liverpool and the, you know, as you'd say, the talking heads or everything of what's been happening is they've inverted Trent Alexander-Arnold into the midfield. Now they're building up from a three two five structure. And so they're compre- they're pushing uh, their midfielders up, which pushes, you know, obviously this allows them to create numerical advantages against the back line for Nottingham Forest defense that is going to play five at the back. Liverpool now can press five men forward. And I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold's been really good in that type of position, but let's not act like everything is all fixed with this Liverpool defense, right? Like they still concede over one and a half expected goals to Arsenal. Leeds still creates 1.4 expected goals against them on Monday. Even going back a couple matches before that, you know, Chelsea, you know, the Chelsea match where they created 2.2, City created 2.9. So I understand Nottingham Forest isn't the type of attack that can really do that. But, you know, the previous match between these two two teams, you know, Forest won it one nothing off an Owen Owie header. And there was, there was still 3.5 expected goals created in that match. And that's what happens when you get two teams that are both really good uh, and I'm not necessarily Nottingham Forest, but the where they're best offensively is in transition offense. And Liverpool is obviously much better when they're in uh, transition offense as well. But you get two really, really bad defensive transition teams. You tend to get high event style matches. So uh, I do like over three and a half, you know, anything plus 115 or better uh, is good enough for me. I still don't trust the Liverpool defense. I don't think anything is really fixed with them. Um, and, it, you know, it's just typically what happens in these type of matches where, if Forrest concedes early, then they can't just sit deep and in a low block and they have to come out. And that's what you kind of saw against Manchester United when they created close to three and a half expected goals. All right, let's close up with Bournemouth and West Ham here. Bournemouth plus 187 riding high after the win over Spurs. Uh, the Hammers plus 150 on the road. Also riding high after coming back and getting a point against Arsenal uh, and the draw which is a little bit of a tempting bet in this kind of matchup is plus 225 West Ham sitting on 31 points from 30 matches uh, that puts them four points ahead of Forrest who are in the last uh, or the 18th spot, last relegation spot Bournemouth 33 points from 31 matches. So they're just a couple results away from against the odds securing uh, their spot in next year's premier league. You look at the underlying net metrics, they're going to favor West Ham, by a pretty wide margin here. And I think it's pretty fair to say uh, that we all have the Hammers as a better team than this Bournemouth team, no matter what their results they're kind of pulling out. But um, is the number good enough to go against this juggernaut? Three wins in the last four matches, including two on the spin. Anthony, what are you thinking? Yeah, I like both teams to score here. Uh, I think there's a little, the market's a little low. We've talked about the Bournemouth attack. Uh they have quietly created the third best shot average shot quality in the entire league. Uh, and their ability to uh, get in behind defenses has been impressive, especially at home where they've been in uh, an average attack um, in the last uh, few months since, uh, you know, since the, the revolution post world cup, they've actually uh, been an above average attack at home in terms of XG created. Uh, and so I think that, you know, you have a matchup that's lined pretty close to a coin flip. I know how much uh, you know the Bournemouth defense continues to have major major problems, uh, and I think when West Ham has gone down and played some of the real dregs of the league, they've actually been a, a perfectly fine attacking team. It is something we you know we saw against Forest, 
uh, when, you know, they were uh, on at home, you know, creating over two XG against Southampton over one and a half. They were able to score, should have had more. Uh, so this has been a team that has struggled to consistently against mid-table when up teams create much of anything. But when they've gone against uh, some of the worst teams, they've been pretty good attacking-wise. So I just think that the market's a little too low on both teams to score at minus 110. I'm, I'm going to bet it. We should also note, congratulations to Barmouth. They have hit their team total or team point yeah, total. Yeah, they're over 32. Over 32 and a half. Credit, credit to them. Yeah, they are. By the way, they're they're Brentford Junior. Just going into next season, I'm gonna have them a little circle. They're just they're playing me pretty much not exactly, but a very similar style to what well, Brentford's been successful. Much with. much much worse defensively though. Much worse defensively. Yeah, it is to be noted, but offensively, you know, the transitional opportunities being good on set, being good on set pieces, it's what's gotten them this far. All right, uh, Bundesliga time. It's it's you, BJ. That's that's backing the Bach. Yeah, you know, I'm the biggest Bach fan on this podcast, so why not back them against Union Berlin? Uh, I mean, this is a Gladbach team that, and Anthony knows this, they're much better when they are holding a majority of the possession. They're not, you know, the, the best team at, at playing out of possession, allowing teams to have the ball. In matches when they've held over 50% possession this season, they have a plus 3.9 expected goal differential. In matches when they're holding under 50% possession, minus 4.4 expected goal differential. They're also the biggest home road split team in the Bundesliga. 9.9 expected goal differential at home, 9.4 expected goal differential on the road. Union Berlin has been pretty bad away from home, minus 6.1 expected goal differential. And the issue here, you know, there is some issues here for Gladbach because they've been bad in transition defense and they're one of the worst teams at defending crosses, but they are a top five set piece defense by XG per set piece, which is big against Union Berlin, who has scored 39.5% of their non-penalty goals off of set pieces. The 15 goals they've scored off of set pieces have been off of six expected. That's how much they've overperformed. So I think this is a good spot here for, for Gladbach at home. I project them right around an even money favorite. So give me them plus 135. I'll probably be on mines uh, at four yeah. to one against uh, Bayern. <laughs> that always goes well, but it's just, it feels like a tough spot for Bayern. Uh, they're going to be playing in a few minutes here against City in the uh, Champions League. They're not going to advance. I know that. They're in, in the thick of a Bundesliga race, but Mainz has been, you know, pretty good. I know they've they've drawn four of their last five, but they haven't lost a match uh, since February fourth, and they have only lost two since coming back from uh, the World Cup. So this is a team trending up pretty well. We we loved them last year. We loved them coming into this year, and maybe those uh, maybe those top four tickets are they're dead. they're on life support, but. Not quite, 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 quite dead. So I'll be on mines at four to one. They might be uh, in the conference league next year. That'd be fun. Yeah, they're nine points back with six to play. It's over. Yeah, it's not over yet. Not if they can mathematically stun draws. Unfortunately, they... I mean, the attack's been. A, they're they're a perfectly fine team, but they they didn't really put it together. Yep. Better than Union, that's for sure. But Union's had the had the horseshoe up their ass all season. I'm gonna bet Stuttgart again. I said every I said a couple weeks ago I'm gonna bet them every match for the rest of the season. I'm doing it again. We're two and zero. Oh. Absolutely miracle win. Uh, they were down two goals to Dortmund last week. I don't know if anybody saw it. They were down a red. I turned the game off. I said, it's over. They made it 2-1. I was like, all right, let me put this on for the last 10 minutes. They equalize. I'm jumping up and down. Gio Reyna breaks my heart. 3-2. Then Stuttgart equalizes deep in stoppage time. Last kick of the game type stuff. 3-3 three, three, uh, at home against, uh, against Dortmund. The market moved heavily toward them each of the last two weeks at the close. Um, we're already starting to see that now. They're up to plus 125 against 
Osberg. They get to face another lockbox after beating the Bochum lockbox two weeks ago. Now they play the Osberg lockbox, who has the second worst underlying numbers in the league. Uh, Stuttgart is the much better team. I'm willing to lay uh, the uh, favorite on the road and, and take them to plus money, money line. I think they win this and finally start to put relegation behind them because they are not uh, a relegation level team at any any point. So I think they're going to end up passing Bochum, passing Osberg, and uh, end up you know right around 13th, which is still too low, but uh, where they deserve to be after a, a good campaign underlying numbers-wise. Uh, Syria, uh, Anthony, your bet here will save for uh, the underdog parlay, but BJ, what are you thinking? Taking Memo Ochoa over nine and a half saves against the Swallow. No, this this Salernitana team just absolutely owns me. They're the biggest luck box across Europe this season. They've they've drawn six straight matches, which I've been against them in most of those. And then those six matches, they have a minus four point two expected goal differential. Ochoa, since he arrived at Salernitana, has made fifty two saves in thirteen matches. His post shot actually is only sitting at plus three, but it's because he allowed eight goals against Atalanta. If you take away that, it's just an insanely high number. For the season, Salernitana has the worst expected goal differential in Italy, minus 25.3. They're one of the most passive teams in Italy. They're near the bottom passes per defensive action. They're dead last in progressive passes and dribbles allowed. And offensively, they're only one of four teams in Serie A, averaging under one expected goal per 90, bottom two in box entries and final third entries. Just a complete lock box. Now they're taking on Sassuolo. There it is in Salerno. Sassuolo has, has some really, really good underlying offensive metrics. They're averaging 1.33 non-penalty expected goals per 90, which is eighth best in Serie A. They're one of the best teams at progressing the ball up the pitch. They're averaging, uh, which they're you know third and most progressive passes and dribbles. They're also incredibly deadly in, in direct uh, attacking opportunities. Second best final third box entry conversion rate in Serie A. Uh, so I have them projected as a plus 102 road favorite against Salernitana. I basically project value against Salernitana every single week uh, until Memo Ochoa just decides to stop being the best goalkeeper in the entire world. Um, I'll probably be uh, broke by that time, but I'm going to keep doing it. So Sassuolo, plus 125 on the road at Salernitana. Uh, what about La Liga, Anthony? Yeah, I'm going to take uh, another shot against Real Madrid because I'd love to lose money, but they have not been nearly as good in La Liga. Uh, and I think that uh, this Celta Vigo team continues to be undervalued by the market. Um, they're plus one and a half at Real Madrid, but they've actually been an above average team by all metrics this year. Uh, and I don't think Real's good enough to be laying one and a half against above average La Liga teams. Celta Vigo has a bunch of positive regression coming in terms of uh, goal scoring. I know they got blanked. Uh, against Mallorca over the weekend, but this attack has started to turn the corner from a finishing perspective after a brutal, brutal run uh, earlier in the year. Their process stuff, like box entries and whatnot, was really good uh, the first you know two months of the season, and I think you're now starting to see the goals come as a result. You can get Real Madrid team, or excuse me, Celta Vigo first half team total plus 195, uh, full game team total is only minus 140, like them plus one and a half, just loading up on Celta Vigo, uh, at Real here as Real pretty much puts the La Liga in the rear view and focuses solely on winning other Champions League and potentially uh, the Copa as well. Copa del Rey. Uh, BJ, what are you thinking? 
Uh, Girona, Jarno Bet, plus 110 on the road at Valladolid. This line doesn't really make sense to me with Valladolid being a favorite. So Girona has been a significantly better team than them this season. Girona plus 1.1 expected goal differential, while Valladolid is at minus 23.1. That's second worst in La Liga. The reason is Valladolid is one of the worst defensive teams in Spain. They're, they've been garbage recently. Last eight matches, they've conceded 18.3 expected goals and all but one opponent has created over one and a half expected goal against goals against them. They also have been running a tad hot offensively, 10 goals off of eight expected in their last eight matches. And Girona is an above average offensive team. They're ninth in non-penalty expected goals per 90. They've been really good against the bottom half of the La Liga table, averaging 1.57 XG per 90. And in the previous meeting, they demolished Val de Lead, uh, beat them 2-1, beat them on XG 1.7 to 0.6. So I have Girona projected as a slight favorite on the road. So draw no bet at plus 110, or if you want to go Girona team total, over one and a half, anything plus 125 or better is also good. All right, legal. Uh, BJ, it's all you. I like to lose on the road against Lorient. Uh, Lorient had, I don't really think they should be a really a, a favorite here before the world cup break. They were incredibly flying high. They were won six straight matches at one point. They were sitting sixth place in league on. Then they sold two of their best attackers, Mofi to Nice and Oatara to Bournemouth, two guys that combined for a 0.77 XG per 90. And they bring in Bamba Diang from Marseille. And he just hasn't really had made up for that type of offensive production that Mofi was up top. Before the World Cup break, they were averaging 1.42 XG per 90. Post-World Cup, post-Mofi, post-Oatara, they're only averaging around one expected goal per 90 minutes. And their offense is incredibly reliant on those direct counterattacking opportunities. So losing those two guys is a big blow to them, and it's shown in their XG numbers. Uh, on top of that, Lorient's one of the worst defensive teams in Ligue 1. They're allowing over one and a half expected goals per 90. They're bottom in pretty much every single defensive metric that we look at here. Toulouse is an above average offensive team. They're ninth in non-penalty expected goals. They have created 8.4 in their last five matches. So I like the value on Toulouse. Draw no bet at plus 125. Okay, uh, on to our underdog parlay. This one will end up being a doozy. But the last time we got into these lofty heights... Right before the World Cup break, I cashed. It will be 268 to 1. That one was 201 to 1. So you can kind of guess at which, what kind of teams are going to be included. Anthony, you can go first. Yeah, I'm going to take Torino uh, money line against Lazio. Um, the Torino defense is the great equalizer in these kinds of matches, and it's what enables them not only to have above average seasons despite losing a ton of personnel last season, but uh, their ability to... Uh, hold on and and protect leads if they're able to get them. This is still an elite defense in Spain going up against a Lazio team, which now will be without Chiro Mobile. Uh, prayers up to Chiro. Uh, was in a really bad car accident uh, and looks like he's going to miss the rest of the season, which is a shame uh, for them because he is their their main guy going forward. And really, the Sergei Mankovic Savage to Chiro connection has been very good this year. And, and Zakagni is good, but not nearly at the level, producing about you know, two-tenths of a goal XG per, per 90, or a goal per 90 less, and about four-tenths less, way fewer shots per 90. So there is a drop-off there uh, between Mobile to Zakani when he's been out there. He has not been nearly as efficient, and it is noticeable in the on-off splits, too, for Chiro. This Lazio team has won four straight matches. They've lost XG in three of them. Uh, they did have a deserved win against Spezia last weekend, but now they come home. They're minus 130 against Torino. I don't think the gap is that big between these two teams. Uh, I like Torino plus a half, my best bet in Italy, and I also like 
the money line here as well. This Torino defense got got roasted by Napoli a little bit, but has now conceded uh, one XG or less than three straight. I like Southampton uh, at 16 to one on the road against Arsenal. We know the stakes for both teams. Arsenal's in the title race. Southampton is essentially in a must-win spot going up against the team at first place, and they're in 20th place. Uh, the spot, though, is is pretty tough for Arsenal with City coming their way, or, or they're going to City's way on Wednesday in what will essentially be a title decider. So I wouldn't be too shocked if they get caught looking ahead a little bit in this spot. It's not pretty at all. We all, I mean, it doesn't, we're not, I'm not here to tell you that our, our Southampton is a better team than Arsenal. They're not. But there've been a couple of encouraging results for the Saints over the past uh, couple of weeks. You know, a nil-nil draw against United, which they were probably a little unfortunate not to win. Say the same thing about the 3-3 draw against Spurs. Of course, they got pasted by City. They hung tough with uh, Palace, but uh, both those teams in a, in a very low event game ended up being 2-0 to Roy Hodgson's Eagles. I think there's just enough here to play the number. It's a huge number. It's 16 to one. You're not expecting to win it, but everybody's going to just write in the three points for Arsenal here. And that's automatically going to put some value on Southampton. And if you can stomach it, I think that throwing uh, this team, throwing some, some shekels on this team is, is worth a, worth a gander on Friday afternoon. What better way to spend the end of your week, uh, work week than watching Southampton go down to flames as a 16 and to one underdog bj what about you jose Mourinho and roma plus 230 on the road on monday afternoon against atalanta i don't think jose Mourinho should be over two to one against any team in syria right now maybe not even napoli because they i mean roma just has just as good of underlying metrics as napoli does and they should be closer near to the top of the table and i understand they have a huge europa league match against Feyenoord on Thursday, but they're still in a heated top four battle in Serie A. And the thing is, Atalanta have just been really poor against good competition. You know, if you look at their recent results, they created close to three expected goals against both Empoli and Cremonese. But when they played Fiorentina on Monday, they only created half an expected goal, gave up two expected to them. When they went to Napoli, they only created 0.3 expected goals against Milan. They only created 0.1. Even when they went and played Juventus away from home, you know, in a three, three draw, they, you know, by XG, they got outplayed. So uh, I think it's a good spot here for, for Jose Mourinho. I understand that Atalanta has the rest advantage, but Roma has been a significantly better team than Atalanta this season. So I like Roma plus two thirty on the road. Yeah. I wanted to bet the under there, but uh, it's too low. Mm-hmm. This Roma classic, both attacks have been pretty mediocre when facing any good competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roma, by choice of not sending anybody forward and Atalanta by, I mean, I like uh, Human, the striker, but uh, they are pretty overvalued as well. So no interest. All right. Our favorite bets for the Premier League now. Uh, that's how we're going to wrap up this show, how we wrap up every Premier League preview show. Uh, Anthony, you can go first. Yeah, I'm going to take Southampton plus two. It's my biggest projected edge of the weekend. Uh, and I think that the number is inflated on Arsenal because of the must-win tax. It's interesting. These two teams did play at Southampton way back in October. Southampton's defensive press was pretty effective. Now, the Saints are playing a little bit differently now with you know the new manager and everything. But they did limit Arsenal to just eight passes into the penalty area and seven carries into the penalty area. Shots were 12-10. It was a relatively even match. And if you remember, Arsenal took a lot of money in that match. Then uh, it was when the market started to fall in love with them. 
closed as high as a minus one favorite on the road. Now they're laying two at home. I know Saints have been bad in both penalty boxes, uh, but they have the energy to compete with Arsenal and they will be uh, a live underdog here as a two dog, two goal underdog on Friday afternoon. My favorite bet uh, this week is uh, Brentford on the money line against a team that is quickly becoming uh, my nemesis in Aston Villa. Um, I think that this could be it for me if, if Villa beats me one more time, uh, which I'm sure that they will. Uh, Ollie Watkins, look out, Erling Holland. Here he comes. Going to steal your golden boot away. But when you look at the, the underlying metrics, Brentford is about eight goals or expected goals better uh, in terms of XG differential on the season. And that bears out since the star, or since the league returned from the World Cup break where Villa has a ridiculous 10 wins, two draws, four loss record. That's for 32 points plus 10 goal differential. And their expected goal differential is around minus three, close to it. And uh, by expected points from understat, they're overperforming by 10 points. We know this Brighton team, uh, excuse me, this Brentford team should be just as good, if not better. So when you factor in home field advantage, I like the value on the B's on the money line. Back to the well with Brentford, Thomas Frank. BJ, what do you have? Fulham leads over two and a half at minus 105. You know, I understand Leeds has conceded 11 goals in their last two matches, but if you look at the expected goals they've allowed since Javi Garcia has taken over, it's been really bad. 16.9 expected goals allowed in his eight matches in charge. And a lot of it comes down to is that Leeds, although they are being having more structure defensively, they're not a team to set up to play to, to play like that. But they're also a team that's been horrible in transition defense. So when they concede first and the match becomes open, teams have a lot of space in behind. And that's where Fulham is at their best playing in transition. The previous meeting, you know, it was a 3 2 thriller, 3.2 expected goals were created. And Fulham was really good on set pieces, really good on crossing. I understand Leeds has been good at defending crosses overall this season, but they really struggled in that previous match. And the thing with Leeds is their offense is starting to get healthy. Sinistera has been back. Now you're looking at their injury report and all of their available attackers are there. Rodrigo starting up top, who's been better than Patrick Bamford this season. So this Leeds attack is going to continue to get better and better as the matches go on. And really, once the first goal goes in here, it's just going to all chaos is going to ensue because you have two teams that thrive in transition much better than they do in slow possession buildup play. So I have a little over three goals projected for this match. So like over two and a half goals at minus 105. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Wonder Goal is in the books. We will see you again Monday morning preview a huge huge midweek slate of uh premier league action bj uh mm-hmm. we'll be we'll be thinking of you the nerves uh, but, are setting in you can feel but, it i think i might have three pages of notes for arsenal city we'll see um arsenal plus one yeah we'll exactly. see yeah. money line uh we'll see if we have time for it uh because mm-hmm. we're just talking so much about everton and newcastle but right. uh, until then for Anthony DeBondo and BJ Cunningham. And on behalf of our wonderful sponsors, Bet365, I'm Michael Levoff wishing you the best of luck with all your soccer bets this weekend. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.